One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Fellas, when you're not feeling well, like I have been uh, this past week, there are typically some common sense uh, rhythms, routines you go through to get back to peak performance, even better maybe than you were uh, before you got sick. So in, in my case, it's a lot of rest, a lot of drinking fluids, taking of supplements, right? So that this next week, something I've been looking forward to for a long time, I go on vacation, I'm feeling healthy, rested, relaxed, et cetera, right? Um, there's something going on in the world of college football that I think compares pretty beautifully to this. This is the SEC deciding on their conference schedule for the 2024 season. Texas, Oklahoma coming in. It's going to be one big happy family. And we won in nine conference games. And gentlemen, the SEC didn't take their medicine. They did not rest, hydrate, relax. We're back with eight games in this conference schedule as we welcome you, the listener, into the 3Tech Pod, college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Fellas, I put the question to you, how do we feel about an eight-game conference schedule with 16 teams in the Southeastern Conference? Not great. Uh, it, it doesn't inspire a lot of, you know, fun outlooks for the 2024 season. I mean, it's still going to be college football. It's still going to be the SEC. They're still going to get the highest ratings because they have by and large the best teams from top to bottom. And, you know, Texas and Oklahoma coming in is going to add a lot of eyeballs to that conference, but it just seems like a letdown, doesn't it? It seems like we were all, you know, penciling in these dream schedules. There's schools like Texas and Missouri have yet to get a home and home with all of the opposite division. It looks like we were finally going to rectify that after 10 years and now it's gone and just in the blink of a moment and no one really saw it coming. It seemed like until those sec meetings this week. Yeah. There were a lot of conversations leading up to this about what the schedule might look like. Was it going to be a nine? Were you going to have permanent rivals? Was it going to be a pod? Was it going to be any of that? And we, we thought there were going to be, you know, some kind of interesting solution to this. And instead we just get eight games again and no real divisions and whatever, right? That's, that's kind of boring. My exact words, I tweeted this nine minutes after the news broke uh, as a fan of an sec school, this is super lame. And I would like to stand by that as the official statement. Uh, it's super lame. That just that's boring. I get that there's reasons, and we'll talk about all the reasons that they did this and, and why they thought this made sense. But as a fan, and from a fan perspective, and I, I assume from a player perspective as well, this is super lame. You know, it, yeah, it is. It's it's uh, for the fan experience, for the on field experience we certainly have a reason to be disappointed and, and, and we're going to talk about all that. There's obviously another side, a, an ivory tower side where the eight game conference model makes a lot of sense. And we're going to break all of that down. We're not just talking sec today though. We're also talking about Colorado guys. It seems like they're on the doorstep of rejoining the big 12, maybe a deal uh, potentially in the works. 
Uh, what does that mean for Colorado? What does that mean for the Big 12? And then finally, the USS Klyovkov is, is taking on water. I mean, we're, we're closing <laughs> ballasts. We're, we're chucking buckets full over the side. Like the Pac-12 is in some serious <laughs> jeopardy. We're going to talk about all of that. So I say all that because if you're listening on the podcast, great. We're, we're so happy to have you. I've actually noticed we've had a bunch of new subscribers here in the past few weeks as, as folks start to dip their toe back into the, the lukewarm waters of college football in the off season. If you're on the video side, on the YouTube side, welcome. We're continuing to, to grow over there, youtube.com slash 3techpod. Uh, but you'll also see these put up in segments. Garrett does a great job of chopping the video up every week. If you're interested in Colorado, if you're interested in the Pac-12, wait till those video segments come out. You'll be able to see those uh, in their entirety coming up very shortly. Also, fellas, of course, want to give a big shout out to our partners, the Transfer Portal CFB. We've got a magazine coming out here in a couple of weeks. Uh, by my count, we're like a month away from the release of what will be one of the best college football preview magazines out there. Um, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of years writing, working in sports media. I've read the publications and I've seen the work that not only, you know, you guys are doing some of the articles that, that I've written, but the team at the Transfer Portal CFB, I've got to shout out Dylan. He does an awesome job putting everything yeah. together, writing, editing. Uh, the vision that dude has is incredible. We're really excited about that, as well as our continued partnership with University Traditions. You guys are wearing some of the collections over there, some of the best hat wear in the game. Uh, they know that college fans want to rock their team's colors and 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 you know locations, but also want to be able to wear it wherever they go, a family function, the golf course, et cetera. And University Traditions has come up with hats that just uh, live at the intersection of kind of comfort and uh, formal wear as well. You can use our code 3Tech15, 3Tech15 for 15% off your entire order over at University Traditions website. And uh, they've got a bunch of deals running right now. So you can get some great looking hats for, for dirt cheap. I mean, you're, you're kind of stealing right now. Uh, Garrett, you're wearing the College Station collection. Trey, you just got the Lexington collection. Looks great. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people wearing the Lexington collection right now as they, as they scramble to and fro their, uh, their dorm rooms, right? Oh my goodness. If y'all haven't followed this, I'm surprised this Lexington connection was able to get out of town with all the traffic that's apparently <laughs> happening there, but they're hosting an NCAA baseball regional for, I think the first time ever, or the first mm -hmm. time in a really long time. And the city planning committee did not take that into account as you know, they shouldn't, they, they probably, they don't need to plan their lives around possible college baseball regionals, but there's a big music festival in town in Lexington <laughs> this weekend too. And so as a result, they were not able to book the blocks of hotel rooms needed for four <laughs> college baseball teams uh, to come in for a weekend. And they're all staying in the dorms on campus, including the host Kentucky, which I thought, I don't know if the NCAA made them do that or what happened there, but I thought that was a classy move by the host Wildcats as well. But man, guys, it just got me thinking to tie this back into college football. Can you imagine in this new era where we're going to host the first round of playoff games on campus starting in 2024. What if there's like a Christmas market in, I, I don't know, in Salt Lake city, Utah, or uh, Salt Lake city is kind of a big city, but I don't know, maybe Athens, Georgia just has this annual Christmas parade or something like that. Or just one of these college towns that really yeah. doesn't have a lot of hotel room space. Can you imagine a visiting college football program, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, coming into a college town 
And then Nick Saban is sleeping in one of those duplex dorms with three other coaches, and they're all sharing one bathroom and shower that hasn't been cleaned since 1972. Like, I am here for that. I, I hope we get that at some point. There, there is no way that Miss Terry is going to let Nick sleep, Saban sleep on a twin XL. There's no way that that's going to happen. She's yeah. got to pack him the Tempur-Pedic topper. Right, yeah. That's right. Yeah. They'll have him up in some, you know, big fancy tower in a luxury box somewhere. And the rest of his, you know, little peons over here on the team, they can go figure out what to do. They're, they're sleeping in dorms anyways. So, hey, but, but Nick Saban, me, there's no way he does that. Give me the last chance you vibes, man. I mean, I, I've forgotten which <laughs> season it is. I think it's the, the Independence Kansas season where the offensive coordinator is like, yeah, man, I'm working for free. They're just paying for my dorm room. Like, I know it's small, but I don't really spend any time in here. Like, give me that vibe with Nick Saban, right? Uh, I mean, that's that's what he wants, right? Like, he wants parity. Uh, yeah, he wants from... everybody to be on equal playing ground. Yeah. And everybody yeah. to be, you know. Hadn't won a championship in a couple of years. That might make sense, but, you know. That's right. Totally, yeah. totally makes sense coming from the guy with all the resources and all the players and all the championships. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Nick. Hey, you know what? As we jump into the SEC and the eight-game schedule, I appreciate I, I would like this on the record. I appreciate Nick Saban trying to fall on his sword, trying to say, you know what, guys, I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to take the heat. I'm going to say something outlandish. So that way we can sweep this eight game conference schedule under the rug. <laughs> you know, it didn't, it didn't work, but I think that's really big of, uh, of Nick Saban trying to, trying to be the bigger person there. Well, we can kind of set our watches by Nick Saban making some outlandish old man yells at cloud comment around this time <laughs> of year. Right. That's like right. what is this two or three years in a row that we can just, you know, Late May, early June, it's about that time. Spring ball's over. It's a dead period for recruiting. So Nick Saban just has to say something that we all get to poke fun at a little bit. That's right. Exactly. Um, so we tease this off the top, and it's it's big-time news. So if you're a college football fan, you're aware of this. But what we really want to get into is why the SEC has chosen eight games. What was the case for nine games uh, why did that make sense? But also, what is the SEC accomplishing by going to eight games? So kind of to set the stage, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma coming in in 2024. This is the final year of uh, the current arrangement before we expand the conference. Um, and, and right now, the SEC plays an eight-game schedule. That has, uh, is, is, is old news. That's what everyone chooses to pick on when Alabama or Georgia is is running the gauntlet and they have UMass come to town in November. They have directional tech come to town in November. And, and folks complain that it's a built-in bye week for these SEC teams. So as, as fans of both a team in the Southeastern Conference and just as college football fans, I think we all would raise our hand and say, yeah, we would love to see the SEC go to nine games, play that extra conference game, have that that better product in the middle of November instead of playing uh, in FCS school. The, the issue is that's the fan side. We're talking about the Southeastern Conference who is in the middle of, of media rights, of trying to become you know the Death Star, right, for college sports. And, and I'll turn it over to you guys. We were talking about this you know, in, in the prep leading up to it. Trey, the SEC, by by moving this chess piece, is essentially upping the ante to ESPN, who they currently have their TV rights through, and saying, hey, if you want nine games, you're going to have to pay for it. 
Oh, absolutely. And if you, if you've seen the defense coming out of, you know, people other than I'll talk about Peter Burns here in a second, why I yep. think his tweets a little, uh, out of pocket that he sent out this morning. Um, <laughs> but th- the real reason for this is the money and it's been the off season of meteorite deals. We've, if you followed along on the show, we've talked about the PAC 12 ad nauseum. We've been talking about the ACC and the schools that are trying to get rid or get out of that agreement that has them locked in for until 2036. It, it, it's what dictates all of this. Every decision is being viewed through the lens of what makes the most financial sense for us as a conference. You know, I think the SEC was touting the, the timeline was, if I'm remembering correctly, they announced the new meteorites deal and then Texas and Oklahoma are announced to the SEC, which, you know, I think a lot of people were naively saying that, oh, that means ESPN's going to add to that media rights deal. I think if there's one misstep that the SEC had in all of this, it's that they didn't have their ducks in a row with Texas and Oklahoma before announcing that media rights deal because ESPN isn't just going to back out of a contract that's now better for them because you added two teams. So in addition to that, this is the SEC saying with deciding eight games over nine games, this is the SEC saying, hey, ESPN, if you want the extra premium inventory, if you want another game between Georgia and LSU or South Carolina and Oklahoma or, you know, fill in the blank Florida versus Texas, you're going to have to pay up for that. Until then, until you re-up this deal and give us more money where we think we deserve with the extra conference inventory, enjoy your Georgia UMass, enjoy your Alabama, Alabama A&M, enjoy your Texas A&M Prairie View that's what you're going to get because that's what you're paying us. And that's what we think that you are paying us for right now. Yeah. Well, and the sec is obviously the premier conference. So they're going to get to pull top dollar. That's obviously true. Whoever was going to do this is going to get to do whatever they wanted to with the, with the money and the rights and everything. They're going to get to pull whatever they wanted to from, you know, ESPN or CBS or whoever it was that they were you know, negotiating for. My biggest issue here, I think has to do with just in terms of exposure, um, players that come to the sec are what make the conference they're not the best conference because they just have the best coaches or facilities it's because the best players come to play in the south obviously you're going to get teams like ohio state that they're going to pull theirs because they're just national powers but for the vast majority of the players the best players are going to be in the south that's why the competition is so good in the sec that's why people want to watch these games is because you know any given saturday in, in the fall, you know, you can have a, a Mississippi State upsetting Alabama. You could have, you know, Georgia's on, you know, upset watch against Missouri even last year. Um, and, you know, I just think that you have to look at this and say, you know, some of these teams that we don't always think of as the powers, they can upset a team in the SEC. But that's why people want to watch. People want to watch for these games. And, you know, for me, I'm looking at this and saying – it's kind of a double-sided coin. For one thing, obviously nine games is going to cost a lot more and you're going to want a lot more of that. But on the flip side, if you give them nine games, that gives players more exposure because they want to go get drafted. They want to go find their way, you know, into a, if they're a sort of a on the border between being drafted and not more games, more chances for them on ESPN or ESPN two with the scout, maybe watching and the, the nation watching and a highlight reel and a Twitter clip. And all of a sudden you run a punt back and you're on somebody's radar. You could make a team. And, you know, for, for these players being able to stay in conference and, you know, continue the conference being as strong as it is, it, it's sort of a weird double-sided coin where, yeah, if you stay at eight games, you're getting your fair market value. But I'm curious to see how that affects perception of the league and how that affects sort of the competition level around it if they're saying, oh, well, the SEC is scared 
you know, these teams don't want to play, you know, a full nine game schedule. They, they just want to, you know, go off and play their eight games and they're scared and they're going to play who cares state, you know, at, at the last of the season. I'm just curious how that goes. And obviously it wasn't all teams. I mean, five teams voted for Florida, Georgia, LSU, Missouri, Texas A&M, apparently. And this is, I guess, the rumor. We don't know if this is 100% yet. But right. these teams are the ones who are said to have voted four nine games. So it's not Texas everybody. and Oklahoma wanted it as well, but they didn't get they, to Yeah, vote they didn't yet. get the vote because they're not in yet. So uh, They were in the back wait of the Wait your room, turn. Wait your turn. Okay. <laughs> they were the proxy vote. Or the, right. Uh, but, Puerto Rico in Congress. <laughs> yeah. But see, I'm just curious how that affects the league is, you know, the, do those teams get a little bit more cred? I mean, obviously, Georgia doesn't need it. LSU and A&M don't necessarily need it either in terms of recruiting. But does a team like Florida or Missouri and they're saying, hey, we want to play nine games. Do they get a little bit more cred? Are there Are there things that you can do to sort of you know, tilt this in your favor versus, I mean, is this a way to say, Hey, Bama's scared. They don't want to play nine games or, you know, there's, there's these other teams in the sec that are apparently scared. Tennessee doesn't want to play nine games. Does that come back to hurt people long-term? I don't know. I'm just kind of worried about what the perception of the league could look like going forward. I don't think so. And I, sorry to cut you off, Mitch, but I, I don't think so. I think this is all going to get worked out within a couple of years. I think, you know, 2024 is going to be an awkward hodgepodge and just a yep. nightmare for the it's schedule. Temporary, temporary yeah, solution. It's going to be a temporary solution. This is going to get worked out monetarily. They will go to nine conference games because, yeah. you know, aside from the money thing, obviously that's what's driving all these decisions from a fan base standpoint. It just is really disappointing right. to see it completely sold out for money. I get why they're doing it. And I think all those schools that voted against it, if the argument that they're scared comes up, it, it, I've already seen it on Twitter from the fan bases, right? It, there's such an easy cop-out argument that why would we give ESPN, this billion-dollar corporation, why would we give them an out? Uh, why would we give Disney or whoever is getting these rights an out that we, you know, why are we giving them free inventory, essentially? Right. It's a really easy cop-out. So I don't know that the long-term concern is going to be there. But... Practically, I feel like the SEC is kind of holding the football right now, right? The, the they're holding the all the burden here because an eight game conference schedule with one permanent opponent and sixteen teams just makes absolutely no sense mathematically. Yeah. Like when yeah. you try to do the napkin math on that, it just you're gonna have an odd man out. Like it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't add up. Like you have seven conference games that you need to rotate through, and there are. uh, sorry excuse me 14 other opponents so you can rotate through it but with all the permanent rivals it just makes way more sense to do the other model where it's three permanent and six rotating that just it just makes way more sense to do that totally agree and that's what seth emerson from the athletic wrote about was hey the sec has a perception problem right now it's not that for all the reasons that we've said it's not that the sec and their member schools are scared of going to a nine-game conference schedule. Although, I don't think there's a single SEC team that minds playing directional tech in that November game, right? I mean, the other side of it from the money equation, these individual schools would be giving up a home game every other year. And that is quite literally millions of dollars that they don't have to share. And it's millions of dollars that gets, you talk about a college town, like um, some of these schools that voted against it, like Starkville, Oxford, that's yeah. millions of dollars that are injected into that community every single year. And if you think the mayors and city councils aren't in the back ear of the athletic director saying, hey, you better vote against that because that means we're losing out on millions of dollars in revenue from people visiting. 
like you're just naive that's just how this works so yeah it's it's a money standpoint coming into the conference and coming into these individual schools i think it was uh our our colleague dan keegan from the transfer portal cfb who who tweeted the the gif the the price of the brick going up uh, <laughs> and uh that that made me chuckle and, and dan had a thread about this why this is just a a financial positioning by the sec towards the mouse and disney saying hey we'll go to nine games and and trey like you said like in 2025 it's almost guaranteed that this will be a yeah. nine game uh, conference schedule with 16 teams. Now, will they go back to divisions? I don't know. In 2024, they're playing an eight game conference schedule, but without divisions. Um, so it will just the be tiebreaker scenarios are fantastic with that, by the way. I don't know if you guys have thought through that. <laughs> the fact that we could have three or more undefeated teams <laughs> and then yeah. only two of them get to play for the SEC championship, there will be riots in the streets if yeah. a certain programs are left out it's an an imperfect schedule for sure but like like we've said i mean this is all this is all a stall tactic to get the lawyers and and suits in the right room to renegotiate with with disney because like you're right uh the 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 terms of the deal have changed right the status quo is no longer what it was when they signed that media rights deal now you've got two of the most uh, valuable universities in their athletic departments in your conference you're adding another game there is so much revenue that's being left on the table by the sec right now if they just capitulate and say oh yeah we'll do it we'll do a nine game conference schedule and espn gets to benefit from it i do want to say one thing that this and i want to make sure people are keeping the same energy in terms of the conversation around all this a lot of people have been talking about how you know the, the last year or two nil is going to ruin college football and you know it's it's the transfer portal is going to ruin college football and the 12 game playoff is going to ruin college football and, and talking about what it's going to mean for on the field and and how players write to stuff this kind of thing the the jockeying for position the you know only doing things to make sure that you can appease some kind of a, a network out there and you know choosing your actual schedule this is at least even or on par with that, if not maybe worse in terms of affecting the on-field product and what we get to see as fans and and sort of the, the sportsmanship around the game. So if you're going to, you know, bring that energy about, you know, NIL ruining the game and how, you know, players are going to get paid to go to different schools and da, da 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 keep the same energy with all these, you know, commissioners and all these presidents of universities only doing things on the competitive side for a money standpoint. Keep the same exact energy with all that stuff because if you're going to blame players for that kind of thing, you got to go straight up to the top and blame them too. It's if you're going to make this about money and if this is going to be one of the biggest, you know, drivers of cash in terms of sports, if, if football is going to do that, great. But again, if you're going to say that money in football is the problem and all that, then you keep it with this exact same thing too, right? Don't, don't switch it up just because now it's about, you know, billions and the ESPN and, you know, CBS and everything else. Don't, don't switch up now. So if I could, uh, I want to talk about Peter Burns's tweet, because I think yeah. this is the argument that you should not fall for. Yeah. If you're uh, looking for, you know, who's the bad guy in this situation. And look, I don't want to pick on Peter too much. I re- actually really enjoy Peter Burns' commentary. He works for the SEC Network, and he works for ESPN, so he's going to carry water for the SEC. He's going to tow the company line, but what he tweeted this morning on Saturday is, since the NCAA approved 12-game schedules in 2006, no team playing nine-game conference schedule has ever won a college football national championship. 
The Big Ten, Pac-12, and Big 12 haven't won a title since moving to nine conference games. Meanwhile, the SEC has won 13 titles and the ACC has won three, of course, um, all by two separate schools in the ACC's case with Clemson and Florida State. But that, that's just like a really lazy argument, isn't it? Like the fact that, you know, Alabama and all these titles that they're winning, if they would have played Kentucky instead of <laughs> like, I don't know, instead of Southern Miss or Utah State or whoever they've played over the last few years, they're not they're not going to win a title because right. they had to play Kentucky or Vanderbilt or Mizzou one more time instead of one of these like I don't know just buy games from the G five level. That's just a lazy argument, right? Am I missing anything yeah, I, here? I think he was being a little tongue in cheek there. I don't think it was entirely serious. Like, hey, look, guys, this is exactly why you don't do that. He did lead it off with fun fact and then put the more you know gift. He did do the but little, like. It's, yeah. more I don't think know, he was being entirely yeah. serious, but I mean, he is going to carry water. He does. He is a little he does like to the, troll other conferences fan bases too. And it's yes, very, he does. Right? He, he loves you know, kind of defending the SEC and popping in probably where most media personalities shouldn't be. But it, that's kind of his Twitter persona. And for what it's worth, I love it. I absolutely love his Twitter persona and what he does. So um, it, it was kind of funny to me. I thought he was being a little tongue in cheek there and just kind of kind of teasing some of the people you know, doing this. It's, it's not like there was no reason to stick with eight games. We all disagree, I think, with the eight-game model right now, and we would all rather it be different, but it's not like there's no reason. I mean, hey, you want to win a championship? You know, you got to stay at eight games. So I I think that was kind right. of where he was going with Well, it. and on the flip side of that, if you think that there's going to be a Pac-12 team, or I mean, who knows if the Pac-12 is even going to be around in two years, but if <laughs> let, let's just say we'll get there. Let's just say, Let's just say you're comparing a in the twelve team playoff future. You're comparing a ten and two Baylor and a ten and two Auburn. Okay, for one of the last at large playoff spots, is there anybody on God's green earth that thinks that any, the committee is going to look at that and say, "Oh well, Baylor Baylor played that game against Iowa State at home, and Auburn that that same week they were playing Southern Miss, so I guess we got to go to Baylor. Like, is there anybody on God's green earth that thinks that that's going to be used probably not. against the SEC? I don't think so. Well, other than by the Big Twelve, uh, yeah, the Big they've 12 been trying to do that for ten years, <laughs> and they also have a conference championship game that's a rematch, guaranteed right. every single year, and almost screwed them out of the playoff this year. So one one true champion, baby, come on now. <laughs> Except when uh, there wasn't. I, I agree. I think I, on on Peter's tweet, I do uh, I do think it's a little bit of a joke. It's also just such a straw man argument to right. to say, look, look, see, see, this this works. You want to win a championship? You play eight games. Like there is no correlation. It also helps. It's to have not absolutely causation of all time. It exactly. Also like to have you know. <laughs> right. Right. The best coaches the and the best resources coach, yeah. and the most the, money. The little yeah, through line there is the embedded. Oh yeah, Nick Saban has been coaching in the SEC for the past sixteen right. years. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone is cracking open the stat books and going, yeah, okay, okay, eight games. Oh, guys, guys, check it out. Kirby Smart's at Georgia. I wondered where that guy went. Well, and that, that also overlapped with, like, Urban Meyer at Florida and, like, all the success that LSU has had under different sure. coaches. So, like, yeah. let's not pretend like this wasn't some really special football and some really special players along the way. I mean, we, we talk about Cam Newton and Auburn at the same time. So, like, there are a lot of different things that happened and contributed to this yeah. very successful run of championships for the SEC. Well, guys, let's go from uh, 
football and cash to football and cash just further west. Uh, we're talking about the Colorado Buffaloes, who suddenly are poised to maybe return to the Big 12. I, I take you to athletic director Rick George's quote uh, when he said, we're members of the Pac-12, we're proud members of the Pac-12, and we've got to see where our media rights deal lands and where our conference goes, end quote. Later, he said, quote, in a perfect world, we'd love to be in the Pac-12, but we also have to do what's right for Colorado at the end of the day. We'll evaluate things as we move forward. Uh, guys, if I can summarize that, it's we we love the Pac-12 and we're a part of the Pac-12 until we no longer love the Pac-12 or are a part of the Pac-12. Um, it, oof, a lot of words that were said and not a lot of meaning that came came out of that, which is, this is talking season, right? Like Rick George falls squarely in uh, in kind of fine form here for, for the beginning of June. If I said that exact same thing to my wife, she would go ballistic. If I was like, look, I'm a part of this marriage and I love being a part of this marriage. And in an ideal world, I'm still a part of this marriage, but I just got to do what's best for me at the end of the day. Sure, but I got to like, see what paycheck you're going to bring home. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't land this meteorites deal, that's right. you don't get that promotion. I mean, it's a little bit ridiculous. We've talked about how, again, talking season, it just seems like a lot of the, the talk and a lot of the conversation coming out of the Pac-12 this year has been a little bit ridiculous. And obviously we've had some very successful Pac-12 videos on our YouTube channel. So it seems like people like to hear about this and talk about the drama. I think we're still waiting for what the Arizona guy said. Arizona said that the the media deal was coming very soon. Um, And I guess we're still waiting on that. That was, that was a while ago. I'd have to go back and check, but we made that video a while back um, (laughs) before the draft at the very least. It's coming guys. Don't worry. It's coming guys very soon. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It, maybe it's talking season. I'm also curious about this from a Colorado perspective. Like, I know they just hired Dion, and now they think that they're, like, champions of the world and like, the, the new Alabama. But if we're being honest, they're still Colorado until they do something on the field. And they haven't proven anything. I guess you can kind of buy some Colorado futures right now, but there's not a whole lot that Colorado can sell from their actual success on the field the last several years. So I don't know why they're getting all high and mighty. Like they carry a massive brand with them. Yes. Probably some teams would like to expand and and take them away from their conference, but I don't really know why they think that they're in the position they are in. Correct me if I'm wrong. Once you see and UCLA leave, they will have the most recent football national championship in that conference. Correct. That might say more about the conference than Colorado. (laughs) Yeah, no, not, not debating that, but. (laughs) <laughs> that that's where that that's where that kind of impetus is coming from. Guys, right. is this just gonna boil down to whether or not several members of the Colorado Board of Regents know what the CW is when all this is <laughs> done? Because if they get that contract, the CW no, no, that that's the CW. That? I, I don't have no idea what that is. And their kids can't explain it because no kids watch, you know, cable TV anymore. Yeah. No. That's gonna cause them to go to the Big Twelve, maybe. I don't know. But I think it's a smart move for any of these schools that have an option sure. to be looking around because as we've been fond of saying, the ship is sinking. The SS Klyovkov, as Mitch has it's loved going to say. down. Uh, I think Stanford, Cal, Washington State, are they the fiddlers that are just going to play until it completely goes yeah. down? Because right. yeah. uh, <laughs> they've got the cellos, I mean, the cellos and the, je- the deck chairs. 
I was going to say, we can't seem to stay away from Pirates of the Caribbean references. So let's go ahead and throw another Jack Sparrow where, you know, Klyovkov has to be looking at the Big 12 right now shouting, stop blowing holes in my ship. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a great point. So so with that, right, Colorado uh, reportedly, according to The Athletic, number of other places, there is Big 12 buzz where uh, Yormark, Brett Yormark, the – and I'm blanking on his name, not commissioner of the big 12. Thank you. Has had an eye towards expansion, right? Uh, He wants to come in. He's shaken the tree for all that it's worth. And now he wants to more than just football too. He's going after Gonzaga and basketball. He's UConn. And and if you, if you read Brett's comments, he actually talks more about basketball than he does football because he sees really smart for the big 12. Yes. He sees that as, a chance to make the big 12 a perennial championship contender in more than just football, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. You're probably not competing for national championships on a very consistent basis. Once Texas and Oklahoma leave, right? Those are your, those are your two biggest guns. Now you've got other programs that are, are plucky TCU obviously just played for a national championship. So you've got, you've got darts to throw at the board, but as far as, blue chip programs who consistently will be ranked in the top five, the top 10 of the FBI that are recruiting five-star talent year in, year out. They're kind of losing that for football. Not the case for basketball, right? They kind of run the country right now, top to bottom in basketball. They've got a very strong baseball program uh, as well. So I, I like the idea of more national expansion, thinking beyond just football, which is interesting when you think of Colorado, because by my count, Colorado would be a solely football-focused move, really just kind of ping-ponging off this hype from Dion and, and from what they've been able to do in the transfer portal. Am I, am I right there? Well, you also have to think about what's out there. Like, there's not a whole lot of teams looking to jump, um, at least from, like, big conferences, big name programs. It's not like the big 12 can go right now and say, Hey, uh, you know, Nebraska, Ohio state, anybody willing to jump ship, come join the big 12. Uh, It's not really going to happen there. So you do have to kind of look around and say, what programs would be willing to make the jump up? Um, You know, to some degree, that's kind of what happened with, you know, this group that's coming in from the AAC with, you know, Cincy and all them, like there's, there's to some degree, it's just the fact that they wanted to jump to the power five level. They realized their opportunity and from a Big 12 perspective, maybe those teams aren't massive national brands, but they're competitive. They've been pretty solid. They have good fan bases. And so maybe you see some kind of future like we'll drag you up with us. I'm curious from the Big 12's perspective, we were just saying about losing those big powers there. I'm curious to see who comes out on top. Somebody has to fill the vacuum. Um, it's not like they're all going to stay at this level. And I think to a certain degree, recruits and and other players like that, they're going to notice that, hey, someone's going to rise to the top and there's going to be a path to a playoff for me. And I was just talking about exposure. That's exposure right there. Go get on a playoff game. That's going to be exposure. 12 teams plus, you know, the fact that you're not going to have these big brands like Texas and Oklahoma in your way. Does that open a door for TCU or Baylor or, you know, Oklahoma State or, you know, some Mm -hmm. of these other teams that could be looking. Texas Tech, we're all pretty high on with what Joey Mack's doing. There's there's a real chance for some of these teams to maybe say, I'll be the next team up. I'll kind of dominate the the region in terms of recruiting and all that. And I don't think that that's Colorado. But, I mean, 
heck, I mean, it could be. Dion could be, you know, the the next, you know, walking on water, savior of a college football program. So he could be that guy. And and maybe a little bit of hype and some good players. You could be looking up in a couple of years and Colorado's running that conference, making yearly playoff appearances. Well, and we're less, like I said, we're less than 30 years away from, or I guess a little bit over 30 now, but less than 40 years removed from Colorado being a major national player yeah. on the whole scene. So We've seen it before. They have a massive, very passionate fan base that has not had a lot to get excited about. They're already less than year one year into the Deion Sanders ten- tenure. They are already extremely motivated and excited to you know support the program in ways that they need to be relevant again. I think it's very mutually beneficial for both Colorado and the Pac-12. Colorado is a massive media market. You talk about the media markets that are realistic for the Big 12 to capture. Denver is... If not number one, it's in the top three, probably yeah, yeah. in terms of realistic media markets. Colorado's a big state with a lot of television sets and eyeballs, streaming uh, potential customers whenever we start to go down that road. And there's way more historic rivalries for Colorado in the Big 12 when you look at the old Big 8. Let's not forget, too, that Colorado kind of went at it alone in the Pac-12. They were originally supposed to be, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds of realignment history 101, but if you jump back to like 2010 era, Texas was trying to orchestrate six Big 12 schools, including Colorado, moving to the Pac-12 uh, pretty much without telling any of the other schools that they're yeah. involved in this. So when that blew up, um, Colorado decides to go at it alone. It was a good decision for them at the time because the Big 12 was anything but stable in 2010 to 2012. Yep. So it was a great decision for Colorado. And now they find themselves right in the same decision. And I think that the history tells us that they probably will do what's in best interest for them. To me, that's going to the big 12 as it stands right now. Well, so if Colorado does make that move and it sounds like, you know, who knows what the timeline is, but it's, it, there's certainly some smoke around this and where there's smoke, there's fire. If, if Colorado does join the Big 12 probably needs another school. So are we looking at another Pac-12 school? Are we looking at a school like Arizona, maybe Arizona State? Who else maybe comes with Colorado? And, and, and with that, we can kind of start that final segment here. Uh, is this the death nail? Is Colorado going to be the death nail for the Pac-12? Because on, on the surface, it doesn't sound like that would that would be, right? Okay, if, if the Pac-12 is surviving USC and UCLA leaving then why on earth would Colorado be the the final nail in the coffin? To me, I see Colorado as step one of a two-step exodus from the Pac-12. So now you've lost four teams. You've still got Oregon and Washington who are not dumb. They've got to be on the phone, at least monitoring the situation, figuring out, okay, if the Pac-12 does go down, which you don't have a lot of confidence in the way that Klyovkov is running this, the media rights deal has been promised for months it's still not here. Even if it does get here relatively soon, the options that we keep hearing thrown around are less than confidence boosting. So to me, it Colorado may not be the haymaker that knocks the Pac-12 out, but it might be that a thousandth cut that kind of has slowly bled this or you know the a thousandth bullet hole if you will to stick with the ss kliavkov <laughs> that just finally like okay we can't take on any more water like this ship is going down 
I don't think Colorado is that team, but I do think Arizona would be, right? I, I don't think that if you lose Colorado, that's it. But losing Arizona, again, you just said it. That's four teams gone. You're basically hanging your hat on Oregon and Washington, you know, carrying the entire conference. Um, and I, I just don't think that they have that kind of staying power nationally. Oregon's a big brand nationally. They could do it and they can kind of pull their own weight. But at a certain point, that's your entire brand. And you, it's not to disparage Washington. I know that Washington's a great program right now. We all are very high on the Huskies and what they could do in the immediate future, but they haven't established themselves nationally as that type of a brand, um, at least yet. Um, and obviously, I mean, the whole Nike thing is half of that. And so we, we understand that there's a built-in advantage for Oregon in that way. But, um, but I, I just think that when you have to, what you have to consider here is what they're losing and sort of where their markets are going at that point, if your markets are the Northwest and your markets are Seattle and what, like Portland and, you know, some of those teams, that, that those aren't big enough, you know, San Francisco as well. You're not looking at big enough TV markets to hold, you know, football interest from a college football standpoint long enough if some of these teams sort of fall off, right? At the end of the day, like if in the Big 12, if, you know, Baylor's irrelevant and if Texas Tech is irrelevant and all those teams fall off, Dallas Fort Worth is still watching football. Um, Oklahoma City is still watching football. Houston and Austin, those are just those you know towns are still watching football. I don't know that you can say the same thing about you know Seattle, Portland, some of those up there. So I, I just I, I don't think that Colorado is the nail that does it. If the Big Twelve goes the direction of like SMU and they leave Arizona alone, I think that the Pac twelve can salvage something and you know go talk to a Boise State or somebody like that. But unless that's going to be the case, if they go take Arizona. And you're, I mean, you're losing out on Arizona, Arizona State. You're missing out on a lot of the other, like, sort of Southwest rivalries and some of the, the tracks that they've built in the Southwest there. I I think that would end up doing it if they lost Arizona. I think if if Colorado will be another domino to fall, I don't think it's the death kneel. But, yeah, like like Garrett's saying, you lose Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, it's, it's over. That's yeah. all she wrote. And Oregon and Washington are going to be begging the Big Ten to let them in. If they can't go to the Big Ten, they might just join the Big 12 as well because that's the next best option and there's geographic familiarity there. But listen, I I kind of take a little bit of umbrage with calling it the SS Klyovkov because that dude inherited just a no yeah. situation. And I get it. It, it is funny. It. And it is, you know, like he... But the dude is doing his best. Like I, I have full, like confidence that he is working every connection that he has he was a very good hire for the Pac-12 mm-hmm. they needed a different mindset in there when he was hired this is all Larry Scott's fault this oh is yeah 120 percent Larry Scott's fault and his legacy I think he is you know just ecstatic that he is not at the helm when this does finally come crumbling down but his missteps over the past decade plus the boondoggle that is the Pac-12 network the, you know, just failing to keep your biggest brands happy, the, you know, whistling while Rome burns is just going to go down in history as a very, very sad. I hope it's more than a footnote, but I'm a little concerned that he's not going to get the credit that he deserves for trashing this thing. I mean, like, remember a few years ago, we were talking about like, oh, what does the Pac-12 need to do? They, weren't they like renting out just a multi-million dollar office space in San Francisco I think that no right. one was in or something crazy like that? Like just a crazy, but like the, Larry Scott had no idea what he was doing. He 
had Bill Walton calling his conference, the conference of champions. And I guess thought that that was the only endorsement that he needed because he literally is going to be go down in history is responsible for this. Personally, whatever platform I have, I'm not going to let people forget that. I hope Klyovkov yeah. doesn't have to take all the blame from Larry Scott. Oh, come for the come for the SEC chatter. Stay for the Larry Scott slash Nero comparison. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome to the Three Tech Pod. Um, no, I agree. We are men of many interests here. That's right. I, listen, yeah, Klyovkov is going to catch the flack at least from from the casuals and and yeah, calling the Pac-12 the SS Klyovkov clearly is is in jest, right? In no oh, way. Sure is this Klyovkov's sole responsibility? Because you're right. Like this dude came in with Rome already on fire and they said, Hey, make it, make it even better. Make right. It better. Like, yeah. Yeah, like let's not, there's nothing to rebuild. Just like make it better. Um, when in reality, he's now working with charred ashes of foundations. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, <laughs> you're, you're the new mayor of Pompeii on. after the, after the volcano. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, with, with absolutely no, uh, like no notice of the volcano that swept through and, and leveled everything. Right. So yeah, the PAC 12 is, I, I don't, I don't honestly see a path forward for the Pac-12 as a a power five conference um I think I think the dominoes have been tipped over I think we're watching the nails being driven into the coffin I, I just you know and if you're an SMU in San Diego State fan which I was reading an article the other day and it was like okay well if Colorado leaves like fine geographically it's not a huge deal they just get San Diego State I'm like man Colorado hasn't been impressive on the athletic field in a while but you cannot tell me that colorado and san diego state are are the same thing no it, you, you talk about having a perception problem even if championships financially whatever you want to whatever metric you want to use academically even if colorado and san diego state are somewhat similar you cannot tell me that at, at a national scale everybody will go okay everybody just turn off the alarms. No need to panic. We got San Diego State. Play. That that's not going to work. Um, so you know the thinnest of ice that the Conference of Champions is is walking right now. Well, and the Pac-12 is still one of the few conferences that does care about academics, at least on paper. Yeah. Sure. And Colorado is an AAU university for when it comes to academics. So is Arizona. So is Arizona State. You're going to tell me that Stanford is going to be okay with? being in the same conference as San Diego state and um, you know, some of these other options, San Jose state, Fresno, all them. I don't think so. I, I don't see them. I don't see Stanford and Cal getting on board with that, which just is another wrench in the plans. And yeah. I have a question for you guys. This is kind of in jest, but did Texas kill the PAC 12 by trying to orchestrate this, you know, six team merger from the big 12 and not really bring anyone else in on that. That would and be a really Scott bank on Texas being able to make this deal. See, that would be a really interesting, like deep dive discussion on like, well, if yes. Texas had worked it out and they got like AM and Oklahoma and Oklahoma state and all those other teams that were involved in that supposed deal, if they had gotten them to the PAC 12, what would things have looked like? If that deal had worked out, then Johnny Manziel would have been a Pac-12 quarterback. And you would have had, I mean, you Matt might Brown have might have still stuck around. You would have had. Yeah, right. I, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of crazy that you could consider. Baker Mayfield would have been a Pac-12 quarterback in that situation. 
And so, and, and Kyler Murray. And so I, I just think that'd be really interesting to deep dive on what that would look like. Maybe we do a, a segment on that at some point of, you know, did yeah. Texas kill the Pac-12? Cause you might have a point there, Trey. There's, there's a that's chance an off-season that... mini series for next year. Yeah, that's right. Join us next week as I lay we my case. Sh- we should do top five individuals responsible for the death of the Pac-12 and, somehow Klyovkov doesn't make the list and it's, you know, Scott's at the top and then like Texas AD is up there. And, you know, some of those guys. You've got the creation. It's that domino meme. You've got the creation of the Longhorn network. It's a small domino being tipped over. And then the, the big domino is, is the it's a evisceration big, of the Pac-12 big 10 conference. champion USC. The lost gods. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On towards exactly. their scorched yeah. earth. Stanford joining the Ivy League. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a fascinating discussion. I agree that yeah. is is probably meant for a another time and place with a little bit more research um, put I into think it. We need but, a spinoff pod that's like serial almost, where we're just interviewing yeah. all these people and a little catchy theme music and <laughs> who killed the Pac-12. That's right. Just just conspiracy theory, sports conspiracy <laughs> theory uh, related to college football. Um, hey, stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right, guys. Well, we've dissected an eight-game conference schedule for the SEC. We've welcomed Colorado to the Big Twelve. We've we've given the Pac-12 last rights. I think that's pretty a pretty good day's work for uh, for today's episode. We appreciate you guys listening as always, watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple. Uh, like I mentioned, we're welcoming new listeners, new subscribers on YouTube on the uh, the podcast side each and every day, which is just a blast to see folks coming back. To college football we have some ogs that have stuck with us um all through the long cold off season but guys i think i think college football is starting to bloom again we're in june now you've got you know media rights meetings you've got uh spring meetings summer meetings that are coming up you'll have media days coming up here uh in july in the very beginning of august so you know it's it's almost fully unleaded time and uh we we talked about this we're getting ready to go back to two episodes a week very very shortly um, so stay tuned. Not exactly sure when that um, that date will be quite yet, but if you are a fan of the podcast, you've been missing two episodes a week. It's coming very, very soon. Of course, head on over, check out the Transfer Portal CFB. We've got a magazine coming out. You can pre-order that. And uh, head on over and check out University Traditions and, uh, and their hats as well. We're, uh, we're repping them just about every, every single episode. You guys are wearing your hats. I decided to go maybe vacation vibes. I I didn't wear a hat this time. Usually I do. But uh, anyway, for Trey Reeves, for Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 